I am when I'm able to get uh, star players uh, that are just amazing at what they do. I'm talking brilliant. Uh, this man is a beast. Uh, I mean, once you get to know him, you guys probably already know him. But for those of you don't, you, who do not know this man, I'm going to introduce you to him. Uh, Mr. David Dyson is on the line with us. Am I right? Uh, you're too kind, first of all. <laughs> no, 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 you are too kind. You are too kind for just, uh, you know, accommodating this interview. I know you're on the road. You do a lot of things on the road, on the stage. Uh, you're just a chameleon. And uh, I just really am grateful to have you. You're a legend, really. But I know you won't take that. Uh, but you're a legend at your instrument and what you do. And you know that. Uh, I appreciate that. I, I, um, I'm just thankful to be able to work and that, that people call me, you know. <laughs> it's nice to be in conversation, right? I get it. I get it. No doubt. No doubt. So before we begin, again, I want you guys to make sure that, uh, uh, and, and, and for those of you listeners, if you guys are multitaskers, go on to his, um, his website right now, daviddyson.com, right? Is it daviddyson.com? DavidDysonBase.com. DavidDysonBase.com, and I, you know, go ahead and follow his uh, his bio. You'll hear a lot about him uh, throughout this interview. But uh, David Dyson is a name. If you have not already heard, you will hear. Okay. So, uh, David, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> It's been a minute. It's been a minute. Thank you for having me. It's been a minute. I know, right? You, well, tell me, you're an East Coaster, right? You're on the East Coast. How's the East right now? It's doing all right. It's just hot, humid right now, but it's all good. Now, how hot is it? Is it like California heat? Uh, it's like it's uh, about 85 degrees, so it's not like blaring heat. Uh, and you got to breeze every once in a while. That California heat is that dry heat, and uh, which which I kind of prefer. But then at night, then it gets cooler at night. Yeah, it gets cool. Yeah, here it gets real cool. I'll, actually, it's been a little weird. The weather's been real weird, you know. But I can uh -huh. tell you one thing I like about the East Coast is that entertainment life. Because you are, uh, well, let's go ahead and tell the worldwide viewers where you're from. Let's start there. Uh, well, I'm from the DMV, uh, currently in the, in the Maryland area. But I, I, I grew up in D.C., Washington, D.C. area. And, um, yeah, that's true. It, it was always, you know, I remember my parents taking me to uh, – to sit in at, I think the place was called Pigfoot, Pigfoot uh, Club. It was like a jazz club. So, I mean, I was too young to be there, but I went and sat in, me and my sister sang. I don't think I've ever told anybody this. My sister sang, we played, uh, what was it, Earth, Wind & Fires, uh, was it September or something like that? Yeah, September. And so we did a rendition with the band. But uh, I don't even know how we got that connection to sit in or whatever, but I remember that being my first time on the stage. And uh, it was pretty cool. Man, oh, so, and when was this? I don't know, eons ago, when I was a kid. When I, it had to be, I started playing bass at 12, so it had to be like 13, 14. Oh, you know, oh was, wow, wow. I was okay, still so new. You, you was a youngster, it was baby David, okay? Right, <laughs> I was still young, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just thankful to, you know, that anybody would even, well, I'm thankful anybody would listen now, but. At that time, I was like, oh, wow, I'm on the stage. These people are listening to me playing notes. I mean, <laughs> wow. I mean, and that's a blessing because a lot of folks, I mean, so you basically, you said you started playing at 12, but it sounds like you were already, I mean, at 12, 14, because according to your bio, you, you started around 14 playing bass, but no, you played other instruments at 12. Is that right? No, I started playing bass at 12, but by 14, 
I started doing, I remember doing sessions in Clinton, Maryland. It was, I don't even know whose house, I don't, I don't know whose house it was, but they had a studio in the, in the basement and they were cranking every weekend. They were cranking out a couple of artists and I, and most of them gospel artists. And so they had me coming in and lay bass on it. And then I, and they, man, they were getting, they were getting away with highway, you know, highway robbery. Cause I think they were paying me like $25 or something. <laughs> but I was just happy to be able to, you know, be, be gigging, you know, be make, making some money doing what, you know, what I was loving and I would do at it. So I would have played for free. Man, well, yeah, I mean, and at that age, that's unbelievable. I mean, to be able to be, I mean, sessions, you were, okay, so let's talk about it. You were doing full sessions at that age? Yeah. I remember, I remember the piano player would, you know, it was pretty much the same piano player unless it was a different artist. And they would play, they would play over the song like two or three times, and I'd have to know it. Then we take it with the band. I was like, dang. I mean, I saw, you know, I had to grind at an early age. You know, it, it was it was good for my ear training too, though. But um, and uh, I would love to hear some of those records now. I want, I wish I knew the names of some of those artists so I can check out and see what I sounded like back then. Yeah, you know what? Why I, I know you probably would. I mean that that actually right there is amazing. So it almost is almost like you were a prodigy because if you're able to go into sessions at that time at that age, it really is you. You probably what you just picked up the bass naturally then, right? You weren't self-taught. I'm imagining. Right. It was. It was. It's. I am self-taught. It, yeah. It was just a uh, um, the love of the bass. You know, like Larry Graham, Larry Graham and Bootsy listening to them. You know, I, I just. I was drawn to the bass, but it was that first record by Lewis Johnson, uh, Look Out for Number One. That's what, the, what but Brothers Johnson, that's the album that did it. I was like, that's it. I got to play bass. Oh, wow. Sean is nodding his head. Sean Atkins is nodding his head. That's how funky, Sean. I mean, everybody know that album. I mean, goodness. Yeah. I mean, well, you probably had your little four-string bass now, too, didn't you? <laughs> it was a four-string. Well, no, no. At that time, I had no bass. I was playing in front of the vacuum cleaner act like I was Bootsy. Now, that was my mic, right? The vacuum cleaner, the way it curls, you know, where the handle curls at the top? That was my mic. And then, and then I had a, a, first it was a badminton racket that I, that was my bass. Then it was a bat with a belt around it. So it's funny. So I used to stare at that record, and, and that's when I first, you know, that's when I did my homework, realized what difference between the bass and the guitar. I could see the strings were thicker. It was four strings on Lewis's bass, you know. I was like, I was, I was just looking at all the intricacies of each guitar, to, to, so I can know the difference between a bass and, and and a guitar. And um, and by the time my parents got me um, a bass, um, which was by 12, 12 years old, I was uh, it didn't even feel right because the bat was thick, so it felt like it felt too small around my hand, you know, you know with my hands around, my fingers around it. So a bat, I had to get used to the feel of a bass guitar. Oh my God, okay, you just. <laughs> wow. Then he wanted to play that bass, he was not playing. So you was born to play. That That's what it is. You was just born though to play I that. Well, I guess you can say that. Yeah, those are, <laughs> that, those, 
those are God ordered steps. I mean, my goodness, that is amazing. Um, you know, so well, I, I asked this: Are do you, did you have any? Uh, was your was your father or your mother a player? Any creatives in the the home, or was it just basic? You was like, oh, that Larry Graham, he putting them down, you know, like, or was it you know other creatives that basically inspired you to uh, play? No, it was pretty much it was pretty much. Um, um, just you know the the, out, the outward influences. Uh, my mother did play piano, but I didn't even know that until later on, until I until I was a you know in college, and then you know she got another piano because she said I used to play when I was seventeen. And I love it, and it's crazy how she could just pick it back up, and she was able to play stuff. I was like, what? I think mean, it's phenomenal to me. But um, my father didn't play anything, but. Um, he had all the music. He listened to all the stuff. He used to be in the Navy, uh, in the Air Force, and so he would come back from Japan and places with the with the Sansui sound systems and everything, quadri quadraphonic sound. I, that that stuff was blowing my mind. I was like, oh, I need one of these systems. And he had all the music. You know, he had everything from stuff I wasn't supposed to listen to, and I, when he wasn't around, I'd listen to like you know Richard Pryor albums, and he had New Birth and. And uh, the P Funk, and he had John Coltrane. He had all the, you know, I mean everything. I mean, and then from then when I would go to see my godmother, she had stuff that he didn't have, like Rare Earth, and uh, you know all the, you know they had all the Osley Brothers stuff, uh, um, Blood, Sweat, and Tears. I mean, you name it, you know. So I, and every time I would go over my, you know, go to my godmother's house. I would uh, bring cassette tapes and just tape all the stuff I didn't have, you know. I, oh, them cassette, and everybody know about them cassette tapes. Okay, <laughs> everybody know. Remember, you just played them cassette tapes, and the writing was off on, on on the tapes. You know what I mean? I know that's right. I what was your right. first cassette tape? What was the first one? Uh, what do you mean? What do you mean the first? You mean the first brand? Yeah, your first purchase. You know what? Who was your first artist? I don't remember. It was it was one of the cheap joints because. It wasn't until later on that I was like, uh, I started, you know, you know, thumbing my nose at, at the cheap brands. It was only Maxwell and, you know, Maxwell. Maxwell. I, said, I said Maxwell. Maxwell and uh, what are the other ones? Uh, Which one? Before, before, what did you say? You said Denim and, and, and Maxwell and uh, you said TK? TDK, remember those? Right, right, TDK. That's right, that's right. I forgot about that. Yep. That was a good brand, too. But but before then, you know, I was like, they would be like four cassettes in a little plastic package, and they'd be something. <laughs> the real cheap, John, it'd be like two bucks for four dollars. Yeah, it'd be like two dollars. I remember that. <laughs> oh, man. Those, those were my first ones. Those, you know, until I realized the audio quality wasn't that great. So I, and they, you know, and the tape degradation, you know, was quick. So I, I you know, I started getting the, the good brands, Maxell and T, like you said, TDK and Denon and. <laughs> yeah, some of that, that, is, that brings back. That definitely brings back memories, though. I definitely hear that. Um, I um, no, I'm looking here, and uh, gosh, I mean, it seems like you're just that bass man. Like I said, you was born to play. Uh, but I always want to know, you know, it's so funny when, when I say that, but it to me, I always wonder, is that something that you always wanted to do earlier on prior to 12? Because you said you didn't pick it up till 12. So what did you want to be prior to that? You know, were you trying to, was it always music or were you like, oh, no, nah, I, I was going to be a lawyer? 
You know what I mean? <laughs> That's funny. Um, <laughs> well, I did, it's funny you asked that. Um, I remember a couple things I wanted to be. I wanted to be, um, I remember wanting to be, a, surprisingly, I mean, why? I don't know. I wanted to be a truck driver at one point. I don't know why. Semi trucks, you know. I just, you know, as a as a boy, you know, for Christmas, and you get those Hess and BP trucks, you know, for Christmas and stuff. <clears throat> so I mean, I, you know, I, I, you know, for a minute, I wanted to be a truck driver, and then it was the weather. Um, oh, the weather. Yeah, weatherman. I still love the weather. Study the weather, tornadoes, and all that stuff. Uh, yeah, look, I can see you being a meteorologist. <laughs> That's what I wanted to do. I almost went to Penn State to be a um, meteorologist, study meteorology. That is hilarious. I can see, you know what? I actually can see that. <laughs> I, I can actually see that. I can see you being like a hey, partly cloudy with a slight chance of rain. You know what I mean? I can totally see that. That is hilarious. I love it. I love it. But we are, hey, for worldwide audience, if you haven't heard David Dyson's music, uh, you'll be happy that he decided not to be a meteorologist. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, but let's let's fast forward a little bit. Um, you know, okay. well, well, no, let's not fast forward because I did want to ask you. You said, you, I know you mentioned Larry Graham. Um, yep. But what, were there other influences, or were you just knew right away the funk was in you? You know, like what what, what were yeah. the other influences outside of Larry Graham that you were listening to to help? Because I've I've heard you play, and I know that influence yeah. of funk ain't no joke. I mean, it's, right. it's funky. Okay, so who were you right. listening to, or you just is it just all from the heart? Like that's it. Well, but before I even played, of course, yeah, I was listening to you know I grew up on all that stuff, Delphonics and stylistics and stuff, and then. Uh, Larry Graham, the Graham Central Station. I was listening to all that stuff, Sly and the Family Stone. Um, and so then, um, you know, and P-Funk and all that stuff yeah, didn't boost me. Yeah, and so it's like I was I was playing air bass before I even played, you know, played at that time. Uh, before I really played, you know, I, I felt like I was a bass player because uh, I was listening to Verdi White of Earth, and Fire. You know, people don't realize he has his own style, too. He does. Um, yeah, you know, those bends. Nobody bends to know like he does. I mean, so I would see all the shows that came in town of Earth, Wind and Fire and P-Funk and Brothers Johnson. I remember one show was at the Cole Field House, and it was, uh, let's see, Natalie Cole opened up. Oh, then the brothers, man. Then the, then the Brothers Johnson came on, and then Bootsy. Ain't that crazy? You would never see a show like that now. Oh, never, you know, never. Hey, that's a legendary show. No doubt, no doubt, no doubt. Um, but I saw tons of shows with Bootsy and P-Funk, I mean, so I, and, and Arts One Fire. Anywhere in this area, in the D.C., Maryland area, when they would come, that, you know, I would want that as a birthday present or a Christmas present. Above anything else, I wanted to see those performers. Yeah, you would have so, the P-Funk. The P-Funk. <laughs> <laughs> I want to get funked up, yeah. I know, I know that's right. Man, and I'm actually, that's... funny enough, I'm actually love funk. That, I mean, Sly Stone is actually one of my favorites, you know. Absolutely, uh, absolutely. Sly, man, just the entire, man, his, his entire catalog of music is just brilliant. And it's I agree. that we even still have legends like that 
you know, still alive, you know, actually still know. out here still doing it. So, but I'm, I'm grateful for those influences because it show got David Dyson on the base. Okay. <laughs> but let's fast forward a little bit and let's talk about, you know, your progression with music. So, you know, you started, you know, like I said, from 12 on, and then you decided right. that you were actually going to go into music because Berkeley uh, School of Music, for, of course, those you don't know, look it up because it is the major school. That's where everybody go who's about to be industry. Um, right. So let's talk about that transition because, uh, you know, first of all, the audition alone to get in there. <laughs> did you uh, do yeah. your audition? How did that work out? How did, how did that start from high school that you said, hey, pop, mom and pop? Hey, this is serious. I'm ready to go in. That's a good question because I, I, um, my parents at the time didn't want me, uh, especially my pops. He didn't want me to go into music. You, you know how parents are. They, they care about you. They want you to have something to fall back on and yeah, and you um, that fall back on. <laughs> right, right. In, in the real old school, you know, they wanted. They only wanted their. Um, you know, kids to be a doctor or a lawyer, you know what I mean? Or sure. get a good, that's what you hear, doctor or lawyer, or be, have, get a good government job. That's what There you say. go, go to work for the state. Right. But uh, that's not necessarily the best move right now. <laughs> yeah, <exactly>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you said you went against your parents. That, look, look, yeah, really? The, the, the good boy, because you was a good child, but you went against I, your I mean, I was a good child, but I mean, I knew. I mean, that's that's the thing. When you got a passion, then can't nobody stop you. You right. Uh, it doesn't right. matter. I mean, and and eventually, my pops eventually realized that. You know, seeing me play at church, he's like, "Oh, you know what? I'm gonna let you go to that school." And I ain't say anything, but in my mind, I was like, "I was gonna go anyway." You ain't said nothing. Yeah, <laughs> gonna go anyway. But you I was know, gonna do it all anyway. But well, it's uh, rare that somebody would go go to a. Uh, I mean, the, you you picked one of the most reputable music schools. So let's talk about that decision. Well, I did my homework on it, and then I, I didn't actually do an audition. I just had to send in what I had. You know, you know, you send. It's kind of like a resume of what you've done up to that point, and and why you would want to go there. You know, and so when they accepted me, I was ecstatic. Yeah, because it's still competitive. It's competitive. Mm -hmm. It's competitive then. So you may not have thought you were auditioning, but they were auditioning you. I'm sure right. to some exactly. extent. So you went. You went to Berkeley. How was your experience there? Because I always, I guess, a lot of us that you know look at music, uh, you know, because oddly enough, I was actually looking at, at Berkeley years ago, and oh, I just wow. remember it being me thinking, oh, it's going to be a haven for superstars. You know, and right. so a haven of, you know, for example, uh, you know, I, I think that it was, was it Badu? I think, did Badu go there, uh, Eric? I mean, Sean? Okay, yeah, you know, I, I don't know. But who did you meet? Were there any folks that you know that are industry now? Uh, how was the networking there? Was it a family? Was it a music family? Did you find it was home? Yeah, there was somewhat of a family there. Um, my best friend that plays keyboards, Vince, he there. He was the one that convinced me to go into music because at that point I was thinking about doing uh, the whole meteorology thing and uh, he convinced me to go into music so I give him that credit. He was about to be the weatherman, yes. That's right, I was about to tell you, tell you the forecast. I'm still glad you chose music, but so when you got there, I, I mean, did you play other I, instruments or was it uh, you know, no, what was I your stuck with there at Berkeley? Um, music production and engineering. 
And uh, it's funny because they changed the uh, the structure of it like near my last year. So I really, I should have actually got two degrees because it was like music. I was in music production engineering and then uh, professional music. They had like music performance and <clears throat> excuse me, and some other stuff like film scoring and stuff like that. But um, they changed it, but I pretty much got credit almost for two two degrees, actually. But uh, it was cool. I just wanted to hurry up, get out of there, and move on um, at that point. But I did meet, like, you know, to answer your question before I met, uh, like Quincy Jones' son, QD, he was in my, you know, my class. He, uh, uh, he was in amongst um, people I knew there, met there. Of course, Layla Hathaway, we were good friends. Okay. Uh, that was my video game buddy. Um, the video game. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. We played video games even in college all the time. Um, who else? I mean, there's tons of people. And it they, like, people. I mean, it sounds like it was, a, I mean, and so it just sounds like you really enjoyed it and it was really a, a great networking tool. Now, did you start doing auditions uh, right out of Berkeley or while you were there? Was that what was happening in order for you to get... Cause you you've had some great gigs, some great, <laughs> you know what I mean. Yeah, so thanks. were you already auditioning uh, prior to departing from Berkeley or graduating? Oh, uh, before graduating, yeah, I was. I um actually, I had I had a couple of auditions while I was in Berkeley, but it was after Berkeley was like where I got the new kids. It was right after Berkeley where I got the new kids. Um, um audition on the block. That's a, that's yeah. major. That's amazing. Yeah, that was yeah, that was that was pretty cool. I'm glad I did because I I actually was not gonna go because you know at that time I hadn't heard any new kids on the block. I didn't you know, and um and matter of fact when I went into the audition I thought I was gonna I thought I had blown it because <clears throat> excuse me it was a cold icy day in in, in Boston and I had just come from uh, I don't know if I came from another gig or the movies or what but I remember I didn't want to go back out and I got the call. And he said, come on, man, I'll pay for your cab. Just come on down. And, and I was like, all right, I'm coming. So I went down to Maurice Starr's studio in Roxbury. And he had people hanging out in the studio. It was like people just hanging out. Um, usually when I record, I don't like a whole lot of people hanging out. I like to focus. And if you, you don't need to be there, bye, you know? Yeah, get, but it, get out. <laughs> but it, you know, because otherwise you're just a distraction. But, you know, he, people just hanging out all, anywhere. And so... uh so uh, I was like, uh, you know, I pulled my bass out. And he's like, I don't know, just uh, play Please Don't Go Girl. Well, I turned oh, out. That I was, was like, the song, too, okay? <laughs> well, wait, wait, wait. But like I said, I did not know any new kids. So, so, I didn't even know. so I was like, I turned around to one of the people that was in the studio. Was I was like, kid. You was in there playing that folk. You didn't, you was yeah. like, new kids. I was like, what the heck is Please Don't Go Girl? And they were like, they were like, oh, that's new, new kids song. That's the new thing that's out there. I was like, oh shoot! So I'm thinking I blew it. He said, no, it's all good. Just run down some OJ's stylistics or whatever, you know, run down some baselines. And so I did. And then uh, he said, okay, cool, cool, cool. And then, um, and then Marie Star himself gave me a ride back to my my place, and he started playing me promotional tapes saying new kids were gonna be the biggest thing since such and since the Beatles and this and that. And I've seen them do that, so I got much mad respect for them, you know. Um, and then I eventually got the call, you know. Uh, you know, he said, well, if we're going to use it, we'll, we'll give you a call. And I got the call. 
I so, mean, um, how many base? That's amazing. That's just, and then you did the fact that you didn't even want to go. How many people were auditioning for your, for your, uh, for the gig? I have no idea. I have no idea. You know, it was a know. lot because let me tell you, they were huge new kids and they're still, yeah. they, mm -hmm. oh, and you know, let me tell you, because I go back with new kids, what they find, oh, they were so fine, too. My goodness. <laughs> I, I could see all y'all together, because that they are such a, oh, my goodness. And, and they were soulful, just naturally soulful. I had loved the group. So please don't go, girl, you must, you killed that, I'm sure. It was a fun gig. It was a fun gig. I mean, so not. was it a worldwide, so, did you, so was it right after you graduated, or did you have to take a break from Berkeley? Or no, I, I had graduated. I had graduated, and it came. I think it came the summer after I graduated. I know you couldn't wait to call your pop and say, "Pop." <laughs> yeah, well, I, yeah, yeah. no, I just called. You know, oh no, it, you know it's funny you say that. No, it wasn't even like that though. Cause by that time, anything I did, they were, you know, they were happy for me. So it wasn't. I, I didn't even think, you know, it, it was like. Uh-huh, you weren't going to let me go, huh, Pop? It wasn't even like that. They got that standard parent spiel, but they go support their baby no matter. But I oh, know no. it was just so refreshing at the end to be able to say, wow, you know, I, you know, because music is difficult, no matter when you start. It, 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 but everything is, you know, it's, it's not going to, nothing is right. going to be easy. Nothing worth having, right. at least. Um, so you did a worldwide tour. Or how long did you stay with New Kids? About three and a half years. First, um, wow. the first tour. The first tour was just like a little small East Coast tour. Um, you know, small clubs up the East Coast. And then I can't remember exactly what the second one was, but you know, it was more extended. You know, across the um, bigger venues across the states. And then uh, I did about five, six tours with them, maybe seven. That um, is that's major. And then uh, you know, yeah. Then we did all the arenas across the, you know, states. And then we started doing the stadiums and well, going abroad. I know I was there in some of them arenas because I love new kids. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's funny because all the arenas and all the stadiums start to look the same. And so, <laughs> So I understand, I mean, from the stage viewpoint, so I understand how some artists can forget what city they're in when they're saying on the mic and then they get booed. And they'll, they'll like say the city that was on, that they were in last night, and they're in a different city. Man, that is, so my thing is, is that, because oh, you, you did a long stint with them. I mean, how was, because at that point, what, you're maybe like 21, 22 years old? Uh, yeah, I guess I might know. Wait a minute. I graduated from college. Yeah, I guess so. I'm trying to remember you what the you, you were young. Yeah, so I was. You're right. You're right. How you're right. Because that's just for, for a young guy, though. Because that's, that's that's a big, that's a big, you know, uh, job actually to go into. So yeah. how were you adjusting to tour life and traveling? Where you were like, oh my goodness, I didn't made it. You know, like yeah, that's amazing. I was. I knew it wouldn't, you know, it's funny. At times it feels like it's going to last forever, but you know it won't, you know, and you got to try to adjust for that. And I, um, but I loved it. And I, I had to, it was, there were some adjustments. Like, you know, growing up, you know, McDonald's was a fun thing to have on only on the weekends. You know, <laughs> so, 
<laughs> so excuse me, excuse my little um, dry throat. Um, so, um, you know, when I went on the run, I was like, dang, I can have McDonald's every week. I'm just having every day if I want. <laughs> and um, it's funny, uh, I got sick of that the first the first two weeks. You were like, you know, that's it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then, then then I started venturing out new restaurants, and my palate started getting, you know, more, you know. Uh, particular about what I was eating and everything, you know. I love to eat. Uh, <laughs> I'm making good money on the road. I can eat what I want to. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> what other, what followed? So, so you got back from uh, from from New Kids, and then what followed after that? Uh, because I've seen, oh my gosh, I mean, if anyone who, for our worldwide listeners, uh, again, Google David Dyson. Um, you know, he's played with some major, some heavy hitters, and he's a heavy hitter. So some heavy hitters have played with him, but he's a heavy hitter. So uh, I want you to tell me what happened, you know, where'd you go from New Kids? Uh, were there any auditions? Um, or, you know, did you go straight to original music? Or did you, you know, because when it, I want to get into that transition of when you decided that I want to do my own body of work. Because a lot of times, sometimes musicians are like, no, I'm okay just doing my music you know, they, they hire me and be at a higher gun. There's a big difference when you turned into David Dice and the artist. So walk me through that transition outside, uh, you know, when you left New Kids, you know, when the tour ended rather, and then where'd you go from there? And then when did you decide that, hey, you know what? I'm going to, you know, I'm bad. I'm about to give me a CD. <laughs> You're too funny. <laughs> You're too funny. Well, I, uh, <laughs> Well, I, when I left New Kids, and I was I was um, loving doing the more intimate settings again because, um, you know, you miss that. You miss the more intimate settings instead of being at the, the big being venues and you know nothing's personal. But uh, I noticed my stamina for solos and everything else had gone. I was like, so then I had to <clears throat> make some adjustments in my practice and shedding and and getting my, you know, techniques together and everything else. And um, so uh, who who was next? I think it was Steve Coleman is who I went with next after that. Oh, after wow. uh -huh. And so I, had, I went up to New York to audition for that. And, um, and then I got that, and we toured and did a record. Uh, I was with him from, I'm trying to think of how long I was with him. Uh, I just know, I, you know, that was fun, and it was, it was, should I say, um, um, challenging because it's challenging music. Steve Coleman and the Five Elements, and yeah. so I learned a lot with. Yeah, yeah I learned a lot with him. Running a meal, you're not gonna be able to just get in there and and, and play. Right, right. That music. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. In the audition, he'll test you on certain things to see if you can handle it. You know. Oh my so, gosh. So I, um, after, you know, I left uh, Steve Coleman a week, a week, uh, maybe a week had passed, and then I, I got the call from Michelle and Dave Yocello. Uh -oh. she, she had come by my gig uh, in D.C., and the funny thing, I never had anybody do that. She, like, sat by my amp for half the night <laughs> while I played, <laughs> you know, like she on the, like on the amp. Yeah, in the stage area. She just sat beside my amp. One time, she didn't even have a chair. She was just, like, kind of stooping down near my amp. I was like, man. 
She on that bottom. I was honored. You probably had like, some subs up under there too, huh? Had them subs popping. She could feel. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I guess that, you know it, it was more of an honor when she asked me to play with her because because uh, at the end of the night, basically, when she said, "So, David, when are you gonna play with me?" I was like, "All you gotta do is call me." I told you that, and so she did. So, so oh, I was and, happy called, and so, how long was your run, man? That's a great now. That's a great show right there. Because one thing I like about. Uh, Michelle, and, and just seeing her over, over the years is that there's a lot of musical freedom with her. No it doubt. It seems like that, that you, she would be, and, and, and tell me if I'm wrong, but she just really comes off when I've seen, when I, when I have seen her live, it just seems like the musical expression and the musical freedom that she allows is just absolutely amazing. Like, yeah, no doubt. that's the kind no of doubt. gig, you know, it's meaning that it's some structure, but it's really mild in comparison to probably other shows um, and gigs you've done, right? Right, right. But then again, uh, but there is some rhyme and reason, and she she arranges stuff like very frequently, so it keeps you on your toes. I uh, mean, I'd say no more than two weeks could go by, and then she's changing arrangements on different tunes, and I'm like, <laughs> I, was, I was like, man, I was just, I was just, I was just really filling out this arrangement and, and knowing what to do with it. You know what I mean? And now you change it. But I mean, that's that's what happens to, with creative people like that. But then, see, and then that's the amazing thing because you are natural at, at base, born to play, but you also have the technical ability. So being being at Berkeley and learning all that, it's like you can go in and you'd be that bass player that can change up on a whim. You know, she. So mm -hmm. w would it be like something crazy where it'd be like the night before she's changing an arrangement? Oh wait a minute. Okay, well, let me just back it up. <laughs> this this is how you'll get this is how you'll understand things okay I got all the music to learn for the first gig all the live tapes and everything and I learned it I got it down I go into we go in the rehearsal in New York in the rehearsal and she's changed the arrangements of, of half the songs already and I was pissed <laughs> I was pissed I was pissed because I'm like, see, now I, I did my part, learned everything I need to learn so I won't be stressed out and I'll be on point. Yeah, so but, she, yeah, but now you're not going to be on point. You're going to be on your toes because you got to remember her <laughs> range. Right. Now I got to learn, re relearn half the stuff the way she wants me to do it. And I'm like, oh my God, are you serious? So that was my initiation into how it would be for the next couple of years with her. Boy, and that's crazy because all her all her music is bass heavy. Yeah, you it, know. It was a, it's a truly an honor though, and, and it was a fun gig. It was a fun gig. So did you? Because it was she, now did she did did she do kind of like a worldwide tour as well? Because she seemed like I know at the one at one time. I mean, Europe, she was pop popping. Like mm -hmm. I mean, so I'm sure you guys your European tour was huge. UK and everything. Yeah, no doubt, and we did Japan too. Mm -hmm. Japan too. Okay. And we did we did South Africa too. We did Africa. Oh man. Okay. So you you out here working, getting paid, eating the McDonald's. No, it's probably more than. <laughs> okay. You 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 out here doing it. So you know um you know and it's funny because Sean had a question. Uh, he was asking me earlier. He's like, so on t on tour. What'd you say about the w w on tour? What is he? I'll send him. 
other than having the correct equipment, you know, you go from green to green, and sometimes equipment changes except when you are on a run. What's the most important thing out on the road uh, to you? Other than your gear being correct, you know, because we roll hard, so some sometimes it's just a, bl a, a blur. Shadi, I'm going to need you to... Uh, oh, okay, because you can't hear him? Okay, yeah. no. Oh, he was saying, like, other than your equipment and gear, uh, you know, on the road, on tour, uh, what was, like, the most important to you on tour? In terms of, Sean, you mean in terms of what he's bringing or just in terms of what was the important experience. for you? Oh, the experience. Other than getting your check. Yeah, other than getting your check, what was the most important or the most... Uh, thing that you held valuable on tour that was important for you to continue to do the work? Hmm, that's a really good question. I had to think about that. Yeah, you know, um, some people would be like, well, you know, I need, you know, for me, I could probably, if, if I was that kind of person, I'd be like, it really has to feel like somewhat of a family. So, mm -hmm. which oh, is probably oh, hard to get. You know what I mean? Right, right. And, uh, yeah, and, and, I was close with a couple of the new kids, but it, it's hard to feel like a family. You got bodyguards, and each one has a bodyguard, and you got this and that, and you got people running around. It's hard. I mean, so it's like an extended family in a way. Yeah. Uh, but I guess most important, uh, I guess I'm not sure. I, I fully understand if you mean like the comforts of what I need or yeah. what. There you go. He the, said the comforts. The comforts of the road, yeah. Uh, for me, it was. Uh, was, um, well, I know right now it's my computer and my D, you know my DVDs or my my tablet. So I can watch my Netflix. <laughs> my Netflix, my Netflix, and my and my Bluetooth speaker. Those are my two <laughs> favorite right. friends. Those I can't wait. To, yeah, I can't wait to find you know get to my hotel room so I can just chill out, and watch something if I get any time. Time, you know. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. Well, uh, that, I mean, and that, those are essential. And I and I actually I do think that that's a good transition question for. You know, how was life on the road? You know, so was it, uh, you know, from the outside looking in and me knowing, uh, you know, a few musicians like yourself and uh, folks in the industry, I find that uh, some tours, uh, people are saying that, you know, they don't enjoy it as much. Uh, so meaning um, there are little quirky things about tour that they don't like. So I would say this, um, did what were you like a family on all your tours? What was there difficult personalities, or were there you know, were there any down points where you just a person that really missed your family so much to where you're like, oh my gosh, I don't know if I want to go. You know, what was it that kind of kept that drive? Uh, uh, you go, you know, continuing to do the work? Oh, uh, absolutely. I mean, first of all, I'm first and foremost, I'm a musician, so I do love it's my passion, there, so I want to perform. But there are certain things that there might be certain personalities or certain things people would do and make you, you know what I got to, I always know when it's my time to roll. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, 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 and I'm, and it not, may not necessarily be something that the person did or what they said, uh, you know, or their decision, you know what I'm saying? But I know within myself what I can deal with and what I can't. And, um, and, I, and I'm pretty easy going and I'm making allowances, but, if I ever feel disrespectful, I don't care how much you pay me. I hear that. You like I'm out. You know, my all money ain't good money. <laughs> Hello? Can you hear me? 
I'm sorry. Hello? Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. sorry. No, I, it's I, like you were saying, like all money ain't, you know, ain't good money. You know, I, right, I right. so it's like, you know, but then the highs are, you know, were you um, kind of one of those things where you live or do you like even now on the road, do you live in the moment? Because I find that, you know, it just seems like maybe you don't have time to because you're moving so quickly but did you live in the moments when people were asking for the autographs or people were saying can we take pictures with you backstage or people were saying where can i buy your music or you know when 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 the audience and the fans you know when there was a time where you were like this is why we do it you know where somebody said you know man your music changed me you know so what was did you get to really live in the moment for that or are you still searching for that high no, I did. I, 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 um, I always appreciate it, too. Um, that's, it, it always spreads. Um, I was just in Chicago with Walter Beasley last week, and, we, uh, and, uh, you know, and I, did, uh, I did one of my tunes on the hit, um, you know, during a set. And it was, uh, probably, I was just about everybody in there wanted to take a picture with me and I afterwards and stuff. And I was like, and uh, I was like, uh, you know me. Actually, I'm a, I'm kind of an introvert at heart. You are, yeah. So, you know, I, introvert. I, I, introvert. Yeah. So I would prefer. I, you know, I just want to go back, but but I do appreciate what somebody appreciates appreciates me. So, you know, I'm always happy to take the time. But when I'm ready to go, I'm ready to go. Yeah. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I know you're always really, really just a, just a, and I have to say this, folks. If you ever, you have to just go on Facebook, message David Dyson, the most down to earth, humble musician artist I have met. Uh, you know, we uh, and let's talk about where I actually m met you, like pieces of a dream. You know, right. we, uh, um, uh, some friends of mine were in Oakland in the Bay Area. I think it was a uh, big show there. You guys were the main stage. Uh, we oh, met right. Yeah. And then again here in, in Sacramento, you guys did a main stage. And you, uh, uh, you invited me and my man out. And we went out to, uh, you know, see right. you guys, uh, uh, people playing with pieces of, of a dream. And it was like an amazing show. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah. Yeah, are you still yep. playing with them? Are you still jam? Because I yep. see, yeah. Now they off the chain. Let's talk about your new projects. Uh, well, I'm not even on the new project. I won't even get into that. But I am. Um, oh, you're not uh, on the new project. For, for, for no, people. no, it just came out. It's called uh, what? On another note. So what? I, I wish. Well, I know we we had in Cincinnati. They just came back from South Africa. But I had I had dates already in place and gotcha. you know if i make a commitment i made the commitment so i couldn't change it just to go to south africa so but um i get it it's business yeah they just come back and we're in cincinnati this weekend actually okay oh so you, you're playing with them you just weren't on the, the new project right right Makes sense. Okay, but let's talk about David Dyson's body of work. Okay, let's talk about your first album drop and when that happened for you and what 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 it was like. Uh, did you 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 pretty much did everything. <laughs> so let's chat yeah. about that and when you made the decision to say, you know what, you know I'm pretty bomb on bass. I'm gonna go ahead and serve the people. So when did you? <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, I just realized I had—I was always writing. I was always writing, and my writing got better and better. You know, I realized that the more I write, the better it gets. So, um, I finally said, you know, it's time to do a record. And um, 
Um, that's when I, I did it. And it's funny because I ended up doing it all on, I borrowed a friend's, what is it, the 808? Not the 808. It's, uh, it was a, it was the first time they came out with the digital, uh, I can't even remember the name of the, I think it was Korg, the first time, uh, Roland. Um, oh, wow. When they first came out with the digital recording station. Yes, I remember. It was Roland 8 something. And I didn't even know how to use it, but I, you know, I did look the stuff up and, and, and looked at its instructions and I recorded all my stuff on there and put the record out. I mean, Ooh, it was crazy. it sounds clean too. Really? It's fine. I appreciate that. I've been always wanting to do that first record over again, you know, with the technology now though. You know, I feel like I could have done better. Oh, but uh, you know what I might do? I might do, uh, it called, uh, that Soulmates was my first record. I might do Soulmates Revised. Something there like you that, go. You know? There you go. But you know, it's something about that authentic sound, though. You know that that yeah, sound. It's, it, it's probably like you know what I mean. It just has that richness. It's almost like if we play an album now. You know what I mean? Like albums. Right. There's something about the quality of a recording when they got that vintage sound. I know what you mean. Not like the new one. You know. It's warm. Yeah, it's warm. Yeah, and warm. yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah. what inspired? What was? Uh, what inspired that uh, body of work? You know, um, because I know that that uh, you know you were saying that you know you didn't. I, I didn't know if you said that you were going to put out your own album or if you were saying that uh, you always wanted to put out your own album. Is that what it is? You always wanted to do your own music? Yeah, at, at, at some point, I've always wanted to do my own thing. And I, I had never, you know, I finally decided I'm going to get this done. And then within a certain amount of time, and 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 I was on a schedule, and I got it done. On your um, own label, on Lohan Funk, right? Yeah, yeah. Let's and, talk about um, that. Okay. Well, I ended up teaming up with uh, Marcus Johnson. I had a meeting with him, and then he got me national, you know, worldwide distribution through Waya, um, uh, through his company at the time, uh, Maramels, but it's called Three Keys now. Man, Hello? that's a that's a great yeah. opportunity. So basically, oh, you got the hookup on that. <laughs> so Aloha, yeah. but where'd you get that name? Because that's a funky name. <laughs> well, uh, you know, I, Everybody knows I love martial arts, and I've, you know, been in, in like a martial arts mutt since I was a kid in different yeah, styles. Right. And so, uh, now, now I just, just for the love of, the, you know, the, the, the culture and the, and the and martial arts, I just love it, you know. just I love it almost as much as music. And so, um, you know, I remember seeing one uh, episode of something, the Lohan Monks. <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> that's how I got the name Low Hand Funk. It's because there's a play on words because the low hand part is like a low, you know, a low. The bass is the low. That makes uh, sense. Low hand. Yeah, that makes sense. Right. And then the hand, yeah. So funk, you know. So that's how that came about. <laughs> <Low> and, uh, <laughs> I love it. I love it. But obviously, was that album, did that influence uh, your signature bass? Because I'd like to chat about, in fact, I, I must say, uh, uh, Sky Lloyd, that's the name of the bass, uh, right? Your signature bass, right? Uh, Shoal, Shoal. S-K-J-O-L-D. Uh, correctly? Yeah, no, it's, yeah, it's pronounced Shoal. It's a Nordic name, Swedish. Oh, Shoal, okay. Shoal. Well, I, a friend of ours actually just purchased that uh, that bass, and they 
specifically because of you. Um, in fact, shout out to Jesse Bloodworth out there. Uh, what happened was um, my man is a guitar player and uh, uh -huh. we, we do play your stuff. And he sent you, he sent a couple YouTube videos of you to Jesse. And Jesse mm -hmm. was like taken back and he was like, wow, you know, like, man, what, what is he playing on? This is ridiculous how he sounds. Of course, he's a fellow bass player. He's been playing for years. And right. uh, uh, Marlon sent him the link. He said, man, he's got his own bass. He's like, man, that's a Chris sound. So it ended up leading to basically him purchasing your signature bass. It did take a while because they didn't, he didn't know, like, wow, they did it from scratch. You know, they yeah, it did take a while. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, that's, that's, a, that's what I'm hearing. It did take a while, but it, you'll be happy with the end, end result. It was worth every penny. He, good, good. He is I'm, I'm, worth, uh, he's getting, he almost, it's one of those things where he almost don't want to use it because it's so bomb, you know, like, yeah. you know, it's so amazing, but he's been playing, and in fact, what he'll do is he'll call us, and uh, Marlon will put him on speaker, and he'll just start playing. Well, that's cool. Yeah, that's yeah. Cool. He said, hey, it cost a pretty penny, but it was worth every penny. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. so. That's so good. What inspired what inspired the bass? Yeah, your signature bass. Did they contact well, you? Oh, yeah. Well, I met Scholl. Pete Scholl is, is the guy's name that makes them. I met him in uh, Texas. I was there with Pieces of a Dream somewhere. I don't know if we were in Dallas. Or, yeah, I guess we were in Dallas performing. And there was an act that came on before us, and that bass player was endorsed by Scholl. And um, Scholl introduced himself to me and all. And, and he said, you know, um, um, you know, he said he's been following me since the new kids and this and that, and, and he knows he can get the sound that I'm looking for. And I've heard people say that before. I was like, yeah, okay, another one of these guys. <laughs> but, but, uh, but he was a real nice guy. And then he said, well, next time you're in town, and he said, next time you're in town, make sure you, uh, you know, um, connect with me so you come out to the shop and this and that. I said, I will. So I was out there the next month. and. Uh, I was doing something for T.D. Jakes at the, uh, you know, it was something, something at a, you know, a, outside the church function or whatever, and um, having to do with T.D. Jakes and, and so his church, and so I told him, okay, after that, then, you know, he picked me up and took me to his place, uh, you know, shopping off, and I wanted to A.B. the bass that I had at the time and, and one of his bases, and so... And that's what I did. I told him, uh, you know how a lot of times guys that make bases or engineers, they like to turn knobs and stuff. Like, no, man, I know what I'm, I know what I'm, yeah, I'm like, no, nah, no, nah, you, you don't know what I'm looking for. You can't, you know, you're looking for what you want to hear. This is what I want to hear. So let me, don't touch the knobs. Let me deal with this. So I did that. I, I put the, I set the, uh, the amp the way I wanted to, played my bass, and then I played his bass. And I was blown away. I was like, oh, yeah, this is what I'm looking for. This is what I've been looking for. Oh, you know, and, and, and so, <clears throat> you know, I, excuse me, I told him, you know, just in conversation, I told him exactly what I wanted, you know, um, you know, the kind of sound, I, you know, I was like, you really do know the sound I kind of want, especially after you made my, my signature base. I was like, most people say that, but they can't really accomplish it. But he really did accomplish it. He really, he was sincere about what he was saying. 
you know um it is is really contributed to an amazing sound david like i'm not kidding and and, you know and that i I now even more so understand like jesse was saying because you know marlon and of course it's your ability you're you're just playing ability you're just unbelievable but when you have an unbelievable bass player on a bass like that is unbelievable so actually it sounds like a dream I mean that bass when when I heard him playing it and just hearing you, it just sounds the it's it's it, you sound like no one else, and I think that that's the magic in it. You know what I'm saying? Right. Well, thanks because that that's the whole point. Because they you know I had an off I had an offer to hook, you know to hook me up with the the whole Fender endorsement and all that stuff. I was like, no, nah, I don't want to sound like everybody else. I got my own thing. Well, I want to sound like sound. myself. I don't want to sound like everybody else. So and that's, you surely, that is- oh, you do not, you do mm-hmm. not. And in fact, I uh, want to know, um, is this the bass you also played when you, uh, I saw a video of you uh, that you posted, I believe it was you, Marcus Miller, and it was someone else, but you, whatever it was, y'all was yeah. killing it, okay? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's yeah. talk about that moment and basically you, Man, I mean that that yeah. that right there alone, you two together. How did this happen? Tell yeah. me. Yeah, that that was what. That's the same base. Um, well, Marcus Miller does a uh, pre Capital Jazz Fest jam, and um, I did it last year and the year before. Uh, you know, I got called to do it, and it was funny. Okay, so the, the, it had a ball too, and Mark, you know, Marcus is just the greatest. I mean. Um, uh, all around, personality-wise, playing-wise, just musicianship, attitude, everything. You know, so he's just a he's just a, a, a pleasure to to be around and to play with. Um, and so the funny thing is that first year, uh, <laughs> I had my um, the company I'm with out of uh, out of Australia, um, amp- amplification company called Wayne Jones Audio. Um, in their cabinets, and so um, I had I had a rig that's like two thousand watts. I had that um, made sure they had that there waiting for me. So <laughs> Marcus kept my husband. Marcus had his Mark bass and stuff, and Marcus kept you know going. I wasn't trying to blast anybody out, but Marcus kept going back, turning his knobs up, and <laughs> doing different things. And I was like, what's, what's going on? It was sounding kind of bad in that. And, and, and so so I was feeling sorry for him, actually, because, you know, I was holding down the whole base of everything, and then we would do stuff in between, or he was solo or whatever. And we had a good time, but I didn't really realize what was going on until the next year came around. And I'm walking in, and, and only half my rig had to come because the guy that uh, – the guy needed the other part of the rig for something else or he, you know, he couldn't get it there. And I was coming from a gig. I was like, dude, I need you to get it there because I can't, you know. So anyway, I had my half my rig. At this time, Marcus has his whole signature series, Mark Bass Amps, right? <laughs> so, he has, so he's got a whole wall of bases, uh, bass amps cabinets there, right, waiting for me. But So I should have known something was funny because I was in the hallway walking toward the ballroom. And Marcus came out there and met me. He said, hey, what's going on? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're just shooting the brains and this and that. And then when I got to the edge of the stage, he's standing there with his arms crossed talking about, so, so, so that's all you bought this time? <laughs> 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 and I, I was like, oh, I see what's going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
was going on now. So uh, we making this a competition, man. It was yeah. hilarious. It was yeah, hilarious. He got his ring. The shoe yeah. not playing no games. Nah, he made sure. He made sure he was blasting this time. He made sure he was he was full and fat. And then and um and so you know I just had like my. And something I don't know why that something was wrong with the um something was going on with the amps. I couldn't get my full power, so so I know he had a hate day with that. Grinning at this point. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> but I, I found it cute. I got a good kick out. Of it. I got a big kick out of it. I really did. Ah, and what you know, and it's a compliment too. Really, it's a, it's a testament to your your playing ability and what what he thinks. But it's just absolutely hilarious. I can I can just imagine all these cabinets up here too. I was like, dang, man, you had to do like, you had to come like that. But it sounded great. It, it sounded great. It was good. <laughs> so, are, do you guys uh, have, do you guys get together a lot or is it just for those annual jam sessions? Like NAM, because I know you do NAM a lot too. Uh you you're featured on those stages quite a bit. Um, right. Um, are you typically on? Is it on the show stage, but probably other stages too, right? Right. I'm with Groove Gear. I'm with Dunlop Strings. I'm with Wayne Jones Audio, and uh, and then of course Show. But I um, everywhere. No, uh, no, I'm not. But I, I appreciate <laughs> your sentiment. And uh, but uh, yeah, I only see him. You know, I only I see him several times. I I see Marcus. We run into each other at least four times a year. But it's usually NAM, stuff like that, the jam session, or it will be on the same festival or something, you know, like Capital Jazz or something oh, like man, that. And that seems like a great, oh, really, a, oh my gosh, that seems like a great show. Who were you on there? Uh, with, I know you did the jam, but were you on there with Pieces of a Dream? Yeah, that year, and I think I was with uh, Nathan East. But okay. I didn't do it this year because I was in... Atlanta with Walter Beasley at City Winery, so I couldn't oh, do man. that. Walter Beasley, my gosh. And it looks like, I mean, you guys have collaborated quite a bit. Walter Beasley, right? Yes, yes, yes. Oh, now that, that seems like an amazing co collaboration. Let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah, well, I, I was blessed to be able to write something on his Black, Stream, Black Streams album. I wrote a cut on that, and, uh, and then he came uh, on uh, with my... Uh, a group I put together, uh, well, I didn't put it together. We we got together. Three of us called Unit 3 Deep. And I was just on... about to mention that. I was just about <laughs> to mention that. Because first of all, y'all pictures is real cold. I said, okay. Then I, the like the, I like the presentation on this. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And then, y'all, I got lucky. I saw a live stream rehearsal. Because, you know, I love Facebook sometimes. Because you can be real nosy on there. Right, right. <laughs> And I was real nosy. You guys were, oh, man, you guys were putting it down in that rehearsal. You like uh, It's a fun group. We, we, it's a, definitely a fun group. And, uh, and Walter's been real supportive, too. Well, how do you keep up with all these, I mean, from your own, <laughs> your own gigs, uh, Unit 3D, yeah, uh, stuff with Walter Beasley, uh, Pieces of a Dream, you know, mm -hmm. I, I know uh, Feelings, you're doing Layla Hathaway. So how is that, how are you balancing all this? <laughs> well, yeah, you're right. It's, um, it, um, you know, it's cool, but, uh, you know, I wish, in a, in a perfect world, I wish I could do them all, but they, they clash a lot. Just like recently, I couldn't go to South Africa with them because I had gigs with 
Kayla Waters too, and then Walter Beasley. Oh, I'm doing stuff with Like I, I got some more stuff coming up with Kayla Waters too, and then Peter White just hit me yesterday, and I, I'm gonna be in um, Cabo San Lucas. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be there with Gerald Albright and um, Pieces of a Dream too. Oh so, my goodness. But I couldn't do a gig with Peter. He's all like, you know, he's been. Yeah, Cabo San Lucas is fabulous. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've been able to do the last two or three gigs. And Peter called me for him, like, no, man, please call me anyway. No, you know, we we're gonna get together. <laughs> yeah, because he's been doing. I see that Peter's doing a lot too. Peter's a heavy hitter around. He be he, he's yeah. got actually quite a bit of gigs coming up. He's got one here, I think, uh, the Bay Area. He he's doing a lot too. So just he's like. Yeah, you stay busy. You stay busy. So yeah. I want to ask you this: What's up for next for 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 David Dyson, or you know what what you got in store for us? Yeah, I want to do another record, and um, I'm I'm working on some stuff now. I want to do another record, and um, I was just matter of fact, I just hit Big Dog up about uh, something uh, that you know, because he always you know he he was always been so gracious about wanting to produce something for me, um, and um, but I, I want to do another record, and I want to do it. I want to do it justice as far as, you know, the whole radio thing and all that stuff. So um, just stay tuned on that. Yeah, because a lot of, hey, I'm telling you, your fans, we all here waiting. I'm a fan. And that's why, you know, I'll be honest with you. You're my second, um, well, you're my first, actually, first round of calls. I haven't done any music. Uh podcast at all it, it pretty much has been just regular conversation but i'm di uh, divulging a little bit into music of course entertainment and just folks that i admire and folks that are you know are heavy hitters and are doing things that i've always looked up to even as a fan from a fan mm -hmm. perspective that's why you were first on the round you know so uh, <laughs> i didn't know if you would say yes or not but i was like what let me let me see if david dyson is cool uh to do oh, this because i know you're so busy i know this um, so. well please you know i was gonna say yes <laughs> I, didn't yeah. know. I didn't know no but so you're yeah. gonna work on the album and then you've got do you have any we're hoping any west coast shows coming up <laughs> um i was supposed to be with jeanette harris and um althea Oh, Renee, uh, coming up, but that that um that fell through. Um, that was supposed to be something coming up soon. Um, I have to look at my schedule, but I have to let you know. I'm trying to think. Yeah, the East Coast is fire. See, you guys, it's a whole different. Uh, yeah. uh, you you know, West Coast is 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 okay. You know, and I, definitely all my worldwide listeners, y'all can go ahead and email me at cloud 9 podcast at gmail .com if you have an opinion. Because my thing is, is East Coast reps the music real tough. Of course, out of L.A., we've got a lot of folks out of L.A., out of Oakland, because I just had right. a, you know, there's a, there's a couple folks in Oakland I've had on there. But East Coast, yeah. in terms of fans, in terms of what they're paying for, California's got great artists. West Coast has great artists, you know, great shows. Mm -hmm. But what uh -huh. happens here sometimes, I find that our audience sometimes is not paying for it. So right, we're, right. we're trying to inch the ticket sales up a little bit. I mean, they may pay $20, $25. They may come out. But the East Coast, I'm finding you could be underground and sell out there. You know, you right. you, 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 could, you could have an underground show and it'd be sold out to the rafters at, you know, $50 a yeah. week, you know. You know, yeah, that's true. That's true. So it's different markets, and I totally get it. Um, you know, it's di totally different uh, markets. Wait, one second. Let's see. 
One sec. Okay. Okay, I just wanted to make sure I, I can edit that out. But um, no, I, I really wanted to say that um, you know, West and East Coast are different. We want you on the West. We want David Dyson on the West Coast here. Hopefully we can get him here. Um, even with your Unit 3 Deep. I mean, I would love to see it, you know, because you know I promote yeah. a lot of stuff on this uh, side of town as well. Um, but, hey, I'm it. all about that original music life. So we need to get together because, I, hey, I'll do some West Coast promo over here, you know. Because um, right. I'm definitely a fan. But I, I have a couple questions for you left for you, David, because I know you're on um, you know, time time restraint you're a busy guy um but what are you thinking about are there any musicians or young musicians right now that you think are really popping and hitting and really are you know you're just like wow okay they're out here doing it they're keeping the legacy of live instrumentation alive and i i, I feel confident about where music is going right now well of course there's a lot of well, first of all there's i i was just saying in my um in a base clinic i did last week how in this, this time of social media and stuff, there's an advantage for musicians because they have stuff under their fingertips at, at their fingertips that I didn't when I was a kid. I had to wait until, um, I had to wait to see Stanley Clark play on on uh, Don Christian's rock concert on Saturday night at 1 a.m. in the morning before I could see what his fingers were doing. But, you know, um, and otherwise I was just listening on the records. But, now with the social media and YouTube and all the videos, you can you you know at your fingertips. All you need is Wi-Fi and a device to watch it on, and then pick up your instrument and you've got a wide range, a wide variety of genres and styles you can choose from. And all you need is time to, to practice. You know what I mean? So there's younger musicians like eight years old and younger that are killing at the craft because they have all this other yeah. So people like Mo Mohini Day, that killer uh, Indian bass player. Uh huh. I know who you're talking I mean, about. She's a beast. I mean, she is a beast. She's taking no prisoners. You know, I mean, there's there's a lot of musicians like that. Is uh Jacob uh what Jacob Collier, Jason Collier. Uh huh. Does the He plays everything, everything. MEMC. I mean, it's just young cats here that I, you know, I mean, and if you're a prodigy anyway, then you, you, you can forget it. You can. You're right. You're right. They're prodigies. I mean, you like you said, you see them at eight and nine years old, and they get up there. They can barely get get their foot up onto the stage. They're so short, right. you know. So, so they little kids, but they get up there and burn on folks. You exactly. know, and it's it's really amazing to see. You know, I I think it's 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 a great thing, but it's of course because people like you are still laying down the foundation and keeping, a, you know, funk alive, soul music alive. Because I definitely, I'm for all genres. I'm sure you are too. But, hey, that folk and soul is really important for, for us. And jazz too. Because it's yeah. like, man, these are, and jazz especially. I'm like, where is jazz going? You know, we, we're not going to let it go anywhere. And I, I will say as a testament to you guys, the pieces of a dream, my gosh, I mean, some of the work you guys were doing, the body of work, it's amazing. It's amazing when right, you come here and sit, hit these stages. It's so needed. You know what I mean? Yeah, thank you. Yeah, that's definitely important to try to keep it alive because, uh, I mean, I got into this business because of the passion I have for music. And, um, of course, I want to make a living, but I don't, I'm not, I, I can't, I can't sell out just to do that. You know, I mean, I may play with other artists that may do that, but I'm not, personally, I'm not going to. 
say that. You know, I, I gotta, you know, I'm not gonna put something out, and I've been offered to do that, and I can't do it. I gotta put out what I'm feeling. I can't put out something just to make money. Say that, yeah, you're not gonna, and that, and I think that that is really, really important because, it, especially, I think what draws me to you as well is that I am all the way a um, funk girl. So mm -hmm. uh, even though you are kind of a chameleon, because I've seen you do pretty much everything, um, you know, uh, I, but the elements of who you are is like, man, that funk is late, that groove is laid down. And I find that uh, not everybody's like that. You're just unique, uh, you know. In fact, I, I'm trying to figure like, when's the last funk album that I've heard come out? You know, uh, I think my boy Big Mike, you know, right. he did a funk album here locally. Oh, it's, you know, it's real slamming, but it's like people are not even recording funk right now. So I think it's so important right. for, and wonderful that artists, brilliant artists like yourself are keeping it alive and continuing uh, the legacy of funk, the movement of funk and keeping that groove locked in because it's just, it, it's just who we are. It's in the blood. You know what I mean? That's right. I agree with you, though. I agree with you. I, 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 I mean, yeah, I grew up on the funk, and I mean, that's what I feel. So it's like, you know, if you're watering it down for me, you're not doing me any favors. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and David Dyson never waters nothing down. Y'all can put it, hey, pop them in, uh, you know, DavidDysonBase.com. Uh, um, on Instagram, what's your Instagram handles? Um, David Dyson Bass. On Instagram. And then, uh, yeah, on Instagram, David Dyson Bass. Okay, David Dyson Bass. Um, one other question: um, Do you do you have any advice for uh, up and coming uh, musicians and and artists that are trying to get on the road and tour and just hit the ground running? And and it seems like the new modern musician is not going to school. You know, say say you know ones that are not going. Right. To that they're coming out like the eight or nine year old girl that's just like, hey, they was born to play and they just ready to hit the stage. But do you have any advice for them? Yeah, like like you said, I, I think they should. I mean, study it, study study your craft. I mean, because there's also this age of button pushers that are making all this money and they're not really. They're calling themselves musicians and they really aren't. They're just, you know, they mastered how to put things together on in a, on a drum machine or whatever. But they're not really. You know, they're not, they can't call themselves a musician, True. you know, unless they, they left it, unless they really practice and study and, and learn a, a true, a, an, an instrument, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, so I would just say that, you know, practice and, you know, study, show yourself approved. And then, um, I mean, stay, just stay true to the music. Uh, it'll come, you know, it'll come, you know, start sitting in on gigs and stuff like that. Um, you know, people let you sit in, and um, I mean, I see, I do see a, a certain amount of young musicians that are following the, the right path, and then you know they're they're really trying to learn under the people that are, you know, true musicians, and they're following cats, and they're they're humbling themselves, you know, um, and that's yeah, the way to go. A but trait, I know that's a David Dyson trait right there, humility. Because you are extremely humble, and that's what, man, and you know, because for me, you know, and I, I could say this, say this to you, is that I have seen many artists that come across, you know, musicians from time to time that, 
you know, I almost don't want to meet the musician backstage because I'm afraid that it may taint my view on the gift. So uh, meaning that if if I love, uh, in fact, I, I, there's a singer right now. I won't I won't say who she is, but uh, she's a she's a kind of a known singer, but she has a, an amazing voice, absolutely amazing voice. But the backstage presence is not something that I care for. You know what I mean? Um, right. and, and everything ain't for everybody. Maybe they're different. Somebody else thinks differently, but um, I'm just saying for me, it taints the gift to where I don't even want to buy a ticket anymore. You know, so I think that's the beauty in you because uh, the fact is, is that you for real, like when I say beast, you're a beast, a beast. And I'm sure so many people say that. And it's like not even enough words in the dictionary to be explained the level of groove that you lay down. But at the same time, the, the man behind the music is even makes the gift even more amazing. So it's like, I, I'm really grateful that there are musicians like you uh, putting it down and uh, keep it, keeping those gifts, you know, holding it up. Because it's like, for me, I just feel like there's so many people. Now, I won't say so many. Let me stop that because it's very negative. No, I just mean that there are artists that may not be or feel as grateful for the gift or may not look outside themselves to look in and say, wow, you know, I'm acting this way. It's not, you know what I mean? So, right. Um, I agree. Do you run into a lot of that? Yeah, yeah, I know, I know some of myself. I mean, you know, and it's like, I mean, I, I totally agree with you, and I totally understand how you feel. I mean, um, you know, they should, uh, an artist, a musician, anybody should be grateful that anybody would want to hear them or that 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 appreciates what they do. So. You know, that's why I say yes. Sometimes I feel like, oh, man, no, wait a minute. You know, there's been many times I was on my way to the parking lot to my car, and I'm done all my greeting, and I'm thinking I'm done, and, and all my all I can think of is is, is eating something or whatever because I'm starving or sleeping or whatever. And then there's one more person saying, hey, can I take a picture or whatever? And, you know, and I'm just, you know, yards away from my, my, my car or whatever. It's still... It's still, there's no one that you should pass up and say no to, you know, for that. You should be grateful. Oh, wow. You are, see, you even amazing. Because I will say, I do think that artists do deserve their space. You know, like, I, I being, like you know, but it, see, that just is a testament to who you are again. Because I feel like a lot of times, like, I won't even go meet an artist. Um, there's even artists that I've known that be on major stages. They'd be like, why didn't you come backstage? Well, I don't, I, I, I don't like to interfere or disrupt an artist's space unless they make it open to you to do so. So meaning that if David Dyson maybe had a table outside his show and he was obviously greeting people at the table, I would say that's an open invitation for me to be like, okay, David. But if David was going to the car to go get his McDonald's, okay, <laughs> I would let him go ahead and go keep it moving. You know what I mean? But <laughs> well, I'm sure it's a step up. You probably ain't. You, you eight thousand and now. You know what I mean? But um, you know, <laughs> but no, I, I am. Uh, you know, my closing uh, question to you is. You know, uh, where would you uh, say you are, you know, musically? If I was to say what genre or who is David Dyson, who, wh what would you say? So is it like, are you mainly funk? Are you soul? You, what do you call yourself 
as a musician, as an artist, and tell our worldwide listeners this so they can kind of get a gist of who you are? No, well, let, let me first say this. When I was in college, it was a there was a point in time where I had my business cards made up, and they said specialty funk. And, oh wow! And guess what? I wasn't working. <laughs> <laughs> I had, and, I, and somebody and somebody had I couldn't figure out why I wasn't working. I was in college, and I wanted to work, and I couldn't get a gig. And um, and and so I can't remember who it was that told me. And they hit me to it. And no, nah, that's because you put yourself in a box. Your cards say specialty funk. You got to be in your card. So I said, oh, okay. And, and that's when things started opening up. And I had to humble myself. And that's when I started working at Dunkin' Donuts. I needed money, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you basically, so you said, don't box yourself. That's why I was calling you somewhat of a right. chameleon. Because I look right. at you as a chameleon musically even. Because uh, for worldwide listeners, if you go to David Dyson, even go to his YouTube, uh, go to YouTube and just type him in or Google him. And you'll see, um, you know, I, I could see different, uh, the way you play differently with maybe, say, Peter White, as opposed right. to Unit 3 Deep, as opposed to Michelle, right. or opposed to right. Layla. You know, right. Right. you know, those are four majorly different artists, you know, so. Absolutely. Yeah, no. and you serve the children each and every time, okay? <laughs> so we want to say, oh, go ahead. Do you have any final thoughts, David? No, I'm just gonna say that's my job. Uh, you know, the, uh, you know, I try to, you know, I want to please the artists and, but, but without, you know, selling myself out. But I want to, I want to give the artists what they need, and you know, and um, give them something unique, you know, uh, and and whoever's listening. But uh, but I'm enjoying myself at the same time. And that is important. So you out here getting to work, uh, doing what you love to do, what you're passionate about doing, a businessman with it, a mogul with it, brilliant on the bass, got your own signature bass line, successful, uh, and a great network of musicians uh, that you've built around you. And uh, wow, and a body of original work, which some musicians can't say that they've done. That's, that's great. I mean, because there's a lot of musicians and hopefully you know, that inspires even more musicians uh, to come from behind and, and, and do more music. But I really want to say I respect uh, who you are as an artist, uh, the person you are, and that's, that's why I specifically reached out. So for the worldwide viewers, be sure to uh, go ahead and look him up as Mr. David Dyson, uh, www.daviddysonbass.com. Also on Instagram. Um, he and, and so nice. He'll send you the nicest emojis, too. And, and try to get back to you as quickly as he can. Um, hopefully a new body of work, new new CD coming out. When, David, you think? I can't say when, but I, I, like I, I'm not going to put myself on the uh, <laughs> chopping block and say when. But no, no, I'm, I'm, it's coming, coming soon. But soon. Uh, I'll say, say, say next year. Next year. Like next year. Next year. Well, 2020, yeah. I think, it's going to be a grand year. And I, I believe it for all no of doubt. us. And uh, I want to say uh, thank you again for uh, just taking the time out. Uh, David, and hopefully uh, we'll be able to see you here on the West Coast. If not, you know, I'm a fan, thick and, th thick and through. You know I'm going to be down for David Dyson. <laughs> no, it's, it's my honor. And I appreciate you. I appreciate you. We've we known each other for a long time. I know. Oh, oh, let me say, what'd you say? I said it's been years. I know, man. I didn't tell him to turn into an old lady. No, I'm kidding. No, I'm just <laughs> <saying that. laughs> uh, just older. We're not, not, not old. <laughs> older and wiser, I guess, right? That's right. That's right. 
That's right. But thank you again, David. Uh, we really appreciate it. We're going to be signing off. Uh, worldwide listeners, again, this is David Dyson. Please, hey, get to know this guy. Uh, really get to know his music. He's an amazing artist, ama amazing uh, musician. Uh, and you can catch him. He, he, Google him. Hey, it's that easy. And that name just flows. It's a true, it's a true artist's yeah. name. It really is. Thank you so much, David. I hope you have a great, great night uh, on the Bye -bye. East Coast. I know the sun is getting ready to settle down. We're on the West Coast. It's still lunchtime, so we're going to go eat. But Cloud Nine and the Straight no. Shot, my name is Shadia. We got Mr. David Dyson. Thank you so much, bro. I appreciate you. Sean Atkins was in the studio just soaking it all up because uh, he, he, too, hey, he admires great musicians uh, as you. So thanks Thank again, David. We appreciate you. Uh, respect, respect, and, uh, and appreciate you. Definitely. Oh. Talk to you soon, bro. Take care. Yes, ma'am. You too. All right. All right. Thanks again, guys. Hey, uh, download. Uh, remember, we're on Spotify, uh, TuneIn Radio, uh, <laughs> iTunes, anything you can get. <laughs> Stitcher, we are there. We've been getting a lot of downloads, guys. We so appreciate you. And uh, this is Black Music Appreciation Month. Uh, so we're definitely, I've got the right folks in place, like David, who I'm honoring today. So uh, be sure to download his album. I don't play when it comes to original music. Y'all don't need to play, okay? So anyway, guys, <laughs> take care. Be blessed. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. I'm out. They call me Miss Deja in the building. Uh, we are here, Cloud9 in a straight shot. Uh, it's going down in the podcast studio, and uh, we are very, very happy to be here. As you always know, if you know I'm on the air, you know it's a, for good, good reason, okay? So um, I want to first, uh, before I introduce uh, our uh, our main guest here, I want to say that I'm also very happy to have a fellow friend and uh, uh, an industry guy, a music industry guy, I consider him an artist, uh, production extraordinaire. He's a really, really great guy and happens to be a good friend. Uh, he's actually actually on tour now. <laughs> he happens to be in town today. Uh, but I do want to give a shout out to my friend Sean Atkins who stopped in the studio today. What's up, Sean? Uh, thank you. What's up, Shania? Like, what's good? <laughs> well, you know, I do like it. It's always nice to connect artists to other artists. That's always amazing, too. So I appreciate you just stopping in. Sean is actually going to be uh, sitting in on the interview uh, with our next guest. Uh, but Sean, you good today, huh? You warmed up? You feeling good? It's a mix in Sacramento, even though the allergies keep in the tail. Okay, okay. Is the lighting right okay for you? Is it okay? Okay. <laughs> yeah, well, I, you know, I went your next trip on the road. In fact, I want to tell uh, the audience, our worldwide listeners, that uh, Sean Atkins, you know, I'm not just passing by uh, his name. Uh, you will actually hear more from Sean uh, later on, actually, when he comes off the road. Um, so we'll have a, a full-fledged interview with Sean, the artist, and of course, what he does on the road as a uh, you know, stage manager, tour manager, road manager, that type of thing. But Sean, which, wh where are you going next? Uh, I actually leave this evening uh, after Dallas. Uh, Erica Badu has, Erica Badu has a show, a symphony show in Dallas. I will be there doing the production side and then come home and do my thing and prepare for another European that's awesome that's awesome see don't tell them don't tell us too much don't tell us see don't give it all to us but we want to thank sean atkins for joining us and like i said he's going to uh, be participating in this next interview but uh man without further ado i i want to at first say how humbled 